Welcome to the latest instalment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined by another panel of leaders in the tech space to discuss the following topic. Mastering mergers and acquisitions, overcoming the common challenges. But before we delve deeper into the topic, let's just work our way around the room with some introductions. I'd like to know who you are, what you do, and also your interests outside of the workplace. So, Soren, would you like to kick us off? Yeah, thanks. Um, thanks for having me. My name is uh, Søren Sunden. Um, for the last nine years, I've worked for uh, a Danish-funded uh, tech company called Gamesation. Been through an acquisition into a major global company, um, and I've been uh, all with the game station all the way from early days with uh, five guys in the back room in a small suburb of Copenhagen to to large global scenes and campaigns across five con- continents. Um, so that's that's sort of my background for being here. Uh, outside of the workplace, I have uh, primarily uh, two interests. One is my uh, dog, Yoda, uh, who I exercise fiercely. Um, and he doesn't own a lightsaber yet, but uh, he might be might do someday. Um, and then I uh, watch football quite a lot. Uh, I follow two teams, one in the UK and one in Copenhagen. The one in Copenhagen is naturally uh, FC Copenhagen, who just qualified for the round of 16 in the Champions League which my other favorite team that I've followed since the mid-80s and the times of John Barnes is Liverpool FC. Um, they are not in the Champions League this year, unfortunately, but they did have a very good night last night. Yeah, and just to note on that, I'm a big Manchester United fan, so uh, double whammy, Liverpool yeah. fan and Copenhagen, two two teams that have that, that I'm not liking the sound of currently. You have to have some challenges in that area, in that case. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I understand. Yeah, but one thing I do like is the name of your dog, so that's a very cool name. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, no. Uh, anyway, Carlo, would you like to introduce yourself for us? Yes. Uh, hello, I'm Carlo. Uh, and I have spent the last 10 years in uh, IT in uh, various uh, parts. Um, uh, to pick two, it has been telco and e-commerce. Uh, currently, I'm in between jobs, uh, but I recently worked uh, with uh, New Day. Um, my area's interest in IT is uh, regarding leadership and culture, but if I have to pick a technical part, it's also DevOps. Um, been a vivid Linux user for... 15 years, I believe. Um, my my private interest is not football, but uh, music, but that includes everything from uh, opera to, to brutal death metal. Um, <clears throat> so, and also playing music with my piano. Um, and also I like to do a lot of reading uh, in my spare time. Uh, currently, while I'm between jobs, it have been Harry Potter, but else it have been uh, both on, on leadership and communication and such. Brilliant. Thank, yeah, thanks for the introduction, Carlo. And I can see so quite impressive rack of instruments behind you. Uh, the listeners won't be able to see that because we're just on audio. But uh, trust me, guys, when I say there's a there's a lot of instruments in in Carlo's room there. Um, so he, he is the real deal. Omiyo, would you like to introduce us? Yes. Um, thanks a lot for inviting me and looking forward to this podcast. So I've been uh, working for last uh, many years, like more than 15 years in this um, 
uh, IT space, uh, and then primarily from last more than 10 years in the information security, which has uh, now um, is like uh, being discussed and being implemented everywhere uh, these days. Uh, it is like a hot area, you can say by 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 choice or or something they need to address in order to make it reliable and also resilient. So I have been working in regulatory compliance in um, uh, kind of uh, public sector, in private sector, uh, worked with uh, various stakeholders from CISO to the C-level and <clears throat> helped uh, companies in in uh, this transformation, like a secure transformation. So, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm working in, in, in a principal role uh, in a Danish company and um, uh, have been to different conferences and uh, uh, also do kind of this tech talk in-house. And um, uh, you can say privately, I, I, I enjoy playing squash. It's a, it's a speedy game. Um, and uh, yeah, so love to travel and also uh, observe different cultures and, and also learn from, from the young generation. I've been mentored of various uh, graduates uh, across the last uh, many jobs, and I've learned really good insights from them. And personally, from the or professionally from the acquisition or mergers experience, I have experienced two time uh, acquisition. Uh, one time by by an American company taking over the Danish consulting company, and the recent one was a Japanese company taking over a big Danish company. So. Yeah. Nice. And I'm sure we'll unpack a bit more about, about that in this this episode today. Hi, everyone. This is Chris Bennett here, the Knowledge Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. As usual, I think it's best to work our way around the room, asking each of the guests to pose their question and give some reasons behind it. Um, so, so would you like to start for us? Yeah, I think, uh, I think my, my approach to it is, is very much around, um, how to manage a cultural divide between the, an acquisition party and, a, and, and, and the, and the company being acquired. Of course, speaking from my, from my personal experience, uh, as I just mentioned briefly and in the intros, we were, uh, very young small startup company here in, in Denmark running a, a tech platform uh, that we developed ourselves. Uh, we were about, I think we were six people when we were acquired. Um, we were acquired by a originally uh, UK-based but uh, or founded, but, but at that point, global company with offices in, in 70 countries. Um, and I think... Uh, 
what I learned from from that experience was, of course, a number of things also related to to commercial models and and that sort of fit, commercial fit that I'd, I'd like to touch on a little bit later. But uh, but there was for me as as a manager, my role in the company was was managing the team here in, in Copenhagen. Um, and I think for for me, there was a a a massive challenge in merging a culture from a for one thing a startup but also a a danish uh, operated with with very unique sort of danish corporate culture uh, into a a uh, an international global uh, company with a significantly different culture related to work life balance related to sort of micromanagement uh, um, empowerment of employees how much trust you put in your employees and your team um for, uh, just to give you an example of of the of the, of the divide that that we saw we had an, an uh, main office in in london where they were not allowed to work from home and this is pre-covid um so no no work days from home at that point and they all had landline phones uh at the office space um, and yes we are in this century um so i think f- from from the, that was sort of that was the starting point they were in a very very analog business space and we were this small startup tech company coming in and trying to re- revolutionize their whole sort of uh, commercial proposition and just the, the cultural divides in that space was was huge and i think my learnings from it some sort of primarily was this should have been a much bigger topic in the whole acquisition process. So there should have been discussions around how do we how do we align this? Because the expectation from our new parent company was that they were going to come in and dictate. So we were giving a hand, given a handbook that included landlines and how to manage landlines and uh, how much we were allowed to work from home. And we were walk, working at all hours uh, at the day anyway, because we were a startup. Um, and I think my, my learnings outside of, of bringing it much more closer into the acquisition process would also be as a, as a local manager, I ended up just choosing my battles very specifically, saying, where do I really want to make a difference and what's important to my team? Um, and I focused very quickly in on what's our core identity and where do we need, what are the must-win battles that, that we have to have uh, some space and some maneuver room to actually uh, stay on top of so i think that, that was my sort of opening uh, statement nice nice so overriding theme there is how to manage that cultural divide i yeah. guess it's safe to say so carlo is there anything you'd like to to add on that what's your approach when managing that cultural divide yeah <clears throat> i have not tried specifically for an acquisition uh so so my my experience might differ a little bit um, but I have tried where we had where I had a team that run ran really autonom- autonomously um, and could do like deploy several times a day um, and and then there was a new process for how tasks would get into the team uh, and and how to get an overview for what teams were doing um, and the way I approached it was to really make it transparent why they it, it was key the key to their success was that they were working in a very agile way um and having a lot of of yes deployments and then were not restricted by uh by a process where then you have to do estimates then that have to be um 
approved uh, before they can start working because most of their work were maybe task taking uh, one hour and then they would spend uh, two to three hours estimating uh, that task. Um, so so what what I tried to do and which worked for a long period of time was making um, following the rules in in a matter where where we kind of said, well, we know that we spent roughly 50 to 100 hours on these smaller tasks. Um, and then I put that into the um, into the pipeline, just stating small works, something like that. Um, so we still satisfied the, the transparency and what tasks we were doing, um, but they had the flexibility that they needed. Um, and and I, I think the key would be to quantify this. Uh, it, for for example, with estimates, um, it could also be you're talking about landlines. Um, that could also be part of that to actually go and say, well, this is an investment for X hours, which means X thousands. Um, so we need a form of business case to uh, to display that this value will actually get back uh, back in the company. Um, and if I may move on to the cultural differences, um, the, I, I was at a course at New Day um, called uh, Inclusive Leadership, where we learned about a lot of this, um, I would not call it transfers, but, but, but inclusion of cultures to create perspectives. Um, and, and basically, it, it was a lot of great tools to, to make everybody contribute. Um, it could be when brainstorming, you write on post-its and everybody has to go up to the board and show what they have uh, written down, um, which is a great way to make everybody speak up. Um, and then from a, a leadership perspective, it's, it, it kind of, to me, it, it kind of built up like who were good at what. Uh, there was someone uh, who were good at, at, at jumping onto uh, critical tasks, for instance. Um, who are really good at at, at jumping with task switching. This is the word that I'm looking for. Um, and others were better at, at doing the deep dives and, and keep working with that. Um, so like I, I, I see different cultures as a way of gaining more perspective and getting more broader ideas. Um, and I think there lies some value in that. Amazing. That's really interesting stuff. And it's interesting to hear how your perspective of somebody who hasn't been through a merger or an acquisition, but you essentially talk through your experience of merging teams with different skill sets, which is, is a good, fresh perspective to see. Obviously, when we were at the start of the, the, the podcast, you mentioned that you've been through both Japanese and American mergers, I think you said. So, that's a that's another big difference. Would you like to talk us through that a bit? Maybe how you manage the the cultural divide between two cultures, say to say, at the opposite ends of the spectrum. Yes. So uh, if we start with the uh, with the uh, with the one uh, uh, that acquire uh, a consulting uh, business in Denmark by an American uh, big uh, corporate. Uh, I, I I personally uh, felt that there was a, a challenge that uh, cultural integration was not that uh, uh, basically it was not a good 
uh, integration from the cultural part. So uh, uh, there are different. So the, so so just to give an example, a consulting company which is of uh, of a scale like a small, uh, not even medium, a small consulting company uh, with very professional consultants. Uh, they were very relaxed in the way they deal with the management. Uh, so you have some issues, you can address them and perhaps you get a solution almost instantly. But once this big corporate acquired uh, that business, there were a lot of processes that were imposed and then people were not ready. So basically it looked to me, if I just jump into a um, respective part that that a cultural assessment was not done thoroughly uh, so it, it it was like that okay get the core out of this business and then we we don't need the actual uh, competencies of the people but the, we need the brand name of that consulting um, and then that's why i i felt in the end that it was almost like not a good thing because a lot of people uh, left the company in the end uh, a lot of people but but if you look look at the like the autopsy of it and see why it 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 was not as successful uh, from the cultural side is is number one the assessment on cultural part was not done properly i think the values that that local consulting company had is it was not matching uh, with the values of the big uh, con, con, big company or big corporate or big uh, enterprise and then and then that that basically led to some kind of that people um, uh, could not talk openly uh, and then it was like imposed that we have to do it and that's it even though the company if i recall back they were discussing from from that time that yes we are doing this because we cannot grow too much in order to go for a company, you need to establish another company in another country. So they decided that, okay, this will give us uh, uh, like a, a step in into other markets so we can actually um, leverage that part of the co big corporate. We could basically sell our solutions outside because otherwise we cannot organically grow. But, but, but because of this uh, poor cultural integration, um uh, for example they could have addressed it that what are the values that they are focusing and we are focusing it could be that uh, it will be a big process uh, kind of uh, exercise that will be now imposed on us people were not ready they were not mental so they could be had been better trained and then also uh, like an integration plan that perhaps those things that were imposed uh, would have been uh, like a slowdown process like slow phase in Maybe if it was like six months, they could say, okay, one year to retain the talent, to retain those special skills, to retain those names, because in, 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 in consulting, people also have a trust with like, let's suppose it's Zorn. So I know that Zorn represents a company, but Zorn, he himself is an identity like Carlo. So people believe in you, people trust you. So no matter you change this thing, okay, I know this guy, he's a trustworthy, he has knowledge. That that was kind of uh, I think that was not a good uh, from that part. But on the later yeah. on this the Japanese one, uh, they were very uh, kind of uh, uh, open and transparent. Even though there was a big communication barrier, but they didn't touch any of the process at all. Uh, they just acquired the business very like in a very passive way, 
and then let the brand name even um, uh, uh, roll on. Also, the the uh, all the top managers were kind of informed that it it was also a different case because it's like a big company acquiring another big company in Denmark. So there were already a lot of processes in house. And they aligned with those processes and they even looked at it, okay, how can we best integrate and see uh, how we divide into horizontal or vertical uh, silos or or expertise. And then we will slowly enrich areas where you are already specialist. We will add more. And those where you are not in, in that area where we think you can still grow on your own, but we will slowly integrate um, uh, to 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 your horizontals, uh, but vertical is like a specialized area, and they could say, okay, let's suppose we will add machine learning or AI part or these kind of solutions we already have. So we will. Uh, so people were quite excited to work there. All of a sudden, there was yeah. a motivation that, and then they clearly informed that we have no intention to uh, let people lay off. We have a lot of capital in the company, so there are no discussions on. Uh, takeover and management changes. But in that side, in the local company, people were uh, all of a sudden in panic. And then uh, people were deployed from the other countries here. And then they could see all of a sudden, I have a different manager. And very rapidly, like on weekly basis, organization was changing. And that signaled that something is not wrong. And then people were quite uh, good at finding jobs, market was quite attractive. They eventually uh, left one by one and that was a very yeah. sad part. So, And just to, just to interject there, Homi, and it's a great point that there's, you've, you've mentioned a lot of different things there, particularly starting with the American kind of disaster merger and then a bit more of a better yeah. soft process from the Japanese uh, merger or acquisition. So at the start of that, that kind of segment from yourself, I think uh, Carlo wanted to interject with something. Yeah, <clears throat> I should stop coughing just before I start speaking. But um, I think you have two excellent points, actually, both from from Son and Humbyun uh, on on what can go wrong. I, I see that one of the great pitfalls is that when there is an acquisition or a merger, that one team has to adapt to the other. Um, and and I think Humbyun did did a great point that that well a, a company and culture consist of individuals um culture is the sum of behavior um so so even uh, well well i mostly mode like when when i hire a new person for a team i know that it will change the, the whole culture if if i hire a extrovert into the team well there's a bigger chance that that now people will join for board games or whatever uh, and and uh, the meetings will be will will have a different tone to it than if it uh, it's a room of of introverts sitting together. Um, so so I think it was uh, two really good points you came uh, both came up with. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, likewise, there was there was a number of of, of of very good points that I that I wanted to touch on. Um, one one that you mentioned, Carlo, is that, that I totally agree that if you want to. If you if you want to make cultural differences uh, in any sort of integration or acquisition process, if you want them to work to your advantage, you need leadership. So that's and definitely you need hands-on leadership to make to maximize that 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 those cultural differences and the output of them. Um, and then I think from 
well, one of the things that that the Humayun uh, touched on was 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 something that that I also given some thought after the processes that I've been through is that that very often when when I think when you when you look at a company from a management point of view, the culture that you have in that given or the corporate structure, the the culture will almost be an ingrained part of, of or be viewed as an ingrained or integrated part of your success. So you won't be really willing to change it. And so so acquiring a new company or merging with a company where you're already set in your ways and you're convinced that what you've been doing for X amount of years and has led to your success, and you're not going to change any of that. And now you're acquiring a new company and you're sort of assuming that they can have success in the same way that you've just had success. And I think if, if, if you want to be successful in, in doing a merger or an acquisition, you need to be able to pull apart the different uh, elements so that you will know what is exactly driving your success and what, what's driving the success of this company that you're now merging with or that you're acquiring and understand which parts to keep uh, and which parts to, uh, to optimize. Um, and I think all of this needs to just means for me that, that the company doing the acquisition or driving the merger, they need to have a very clear plan and not just the plan of how much are they going to pay for the company that they're, they're buying. Yeah, and, and that's that's also the the the, the Japanese stories. Hongkongian explained that that it's it's a exactly it's it's not going in and changing everything from day one. And I think there's a lot of biases in 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 thinking that well we have the right culture we we have the best culture, um, and 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 I think it's it it can be a really big problem if it's well we bought you so you have to follow our culture. Uh, yeah, exactly. I don't I don't think that that anyone would like to work under the, those conditions. No, and I also think one of the things that I've also experienced is that that the whole sort of acquisition process becomes very much around uh, it becomes almost adversarial and and the focus is how much can i get from you so that you can buy my company and we have to to fight that out and struggle that out it's not a negotiation where we jointly need to find the the right path forward for both of us to grow it's much more adversarial and i think as soon as it be, as it falls into that uh, pocket then I think the chance of actually having a successful acquisition, it it just it just shrinks significantly because you're already in exactly what you're describing, Carlo. Well, I bought you. I'm gonna bring my culture to the table, and you're gonna need to do what I've done because I had more money and I've got more power and I'm better than you. And then you're already it's already washed up if you end up in that scenario. From from out of curiosity, I don't know if there's an answer to it, but. Uh... Uh, oh, I lost the thread. Um, out of curiosity, is there a way to quantify that? Because the, from here, from Hanyun, there was a great risk of people leaving the company. Um, and, and losing knowledge in IT is, can, can be very destructive for the company. Um, like if, if you acquire a, a, a smaller company who are experts in, in an area and those people, the, the, the employees wants to leave after the acquisition due to cultural reasons, shouldn't that be a risk that should be, uh, taken into account before pushing culture onto them? What do you think, Romeo? I, 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 I so much agree, Carlo. It's, uh, it's, uh. 
is a risk that should be assessed uh, for sure uh, for for basically not only uh, employees but also customers uh, because eventually if they see um, if you if it, it it is like again the core is also communication if you are not communicating it properly it could have an impact on like the staff employees that part of the culture but also to your to your um, customers because they are they will also feel that there's a change um, what change will it bring for me for my business so it should it should have been really assessed uh, i think that is the essence of is uh, merger or acquisition that that this kind of risk based on on the culture part employee part integration security whatever post it should be assessed really thoroughly that what if we lose the core um uh, staff or workers and then actually the culture that we have culture could also be that the way we are relaxed like in a small consulting company you win a project they they, they celebrate it too much like they ring the bells and then and, and then and then if they lose something they start crying uh, just saying it in a way but but if there's a process and there's a strict control you lose this kind of flexibility and you are like okay this should be reported this needs to be approved so it it's also that kind of a cultural change that uh, even though they are coming from a you know process mature maturity cmi level five company acquiring a process maturity maybe level one company but they should also understand that they are level one but but their business model is like that they cannot achieve level five in a way so integrate them step by step by there's a risk that needs to be it's like a continuous risk assessment that needs to be done how is the how is the like my end user doing uh, from the other company's perspective uh, so i so much agree with you carlo that uh, and I think a poor risk assessment, maybe a relaxed relax risk assessment could lead to even like a small disaster, I would say. Uh, nice. And I think that's a, a good point to move on to another question or a statement. So, Homiun, since you were just speaking, I think we'll go to you for, yes. for your question or statement surrounding the podcast topic. So, do you have anything to hand? Um... I would say um, some kind of um, uh, from from my side it's like like a regulatory uh, compliance or could be information security assessment or um, that I felt somehow uh, and even in some present companies that if they have ambition to be acquired or to uh, make an acquisition uh, they don't have proper M and A strategy in place. And um, and putting into the information security perspective that uh, because sometimes you could also uh, engage with a company that is not mature uh, could be that there is a technology uh, difference. Uh, uh, so again, you need to make a risk assessment. You need to look at the challenge that what kind of um, industry we are operating in. Uh, is it like highly regulated? So what company I'm going to buy? So perform a due diligence. Um, let me know if I'm on the right track. Um, we need to assess it from the, and now we have this GDPR uh, or data privacy and and, and these, these kind of laws that uh, uh, those assets that we are going to integrate, 
uh, how are they what are the critical assets what are the crown jewels um who owns uh, those assets are they registered somewhere who owns the data uh, what kind of data what are the retention and and then again make a plan out of it uh, make an integration team from there uh, look at how is the it's just like basically running a supplier uh, risk assessment like a third-party mm. risk assessment. So, so, so if if I'm correct me if I'm wrong. So, so yeah. you're basically going down the route of should the merger or acquisition actually take place in the first place, and if if so, what kind of actions can you take in order to to make it seamless and make it smooth? Uh, my point was that that uh, technology um, uh, domain or or people or uh, those who have um, a role in the security or the technology part, they are not empowered enough to make a decision because you cannot stop kind of, and um, unless it's a technical company like Amazon buying another Amazon, then of course they have a huge technical kind of uh, assessment. But if a pharmaceutical company buying another uh, small pharmaceutical company, they will first look at what kind of molecules they are bringing and things like that. But the technology or or the security side will have a small role to play, even though it has it it has to have some kind of more empowerment. But I felt at some places and even hearing from my own network that they have no power to say stop. They have sometimes they are not even asked. Sometimes they are even involved after the acquisition has happened. That okay. Uh, how do you how do we integrate that company from the infrastructure point of view and then that is too late because sometimes it could put uh, there's a there's a fixed budget but then it goes way way beyond budget because it was never assessed properly and then they come back and say there's a uh, why are we talking about more budget why this capex and opex thing now and and then basically the threat landscape is changing so much it's all about data. So if you have not assessed that, you could also um, basically bring some uh, more vulnerable assets or or data, uh, which is less protected into your more protected area, then you will become even more vulnerable. So you need to be make sure that you are doing a proper due diligence, which is sometimes done, which is not sometimes done. So, so there are good, design principles security frameworks available cool. now so so I, my my input is that we should use it we should spend some time to actually exercise it properly design an exercise that how to properly lift or shift or whatever uh, acquire or do a merger or integrate with another company on the basis of pure information security risk assessment as well along with other risks yeah I think that's a really good uh, good point, uh, Warren. Um, and I just wanted to add into that because I've I've got similar stories. And I think the whole the whole point about due diligence and having a a a, a very wide understanding of what due diligence is, I think that's hugely important, uh, so that it can cover sort of every possible aspect, and that it can it can also end up in an actual plan for how we're we going to to manage this merger or this acquisition. I think my, my own story here can, can give an example. We were we were as I, I mentioned we were acquired by a, by a global company. In the following years, they actually acquired more tech companies, and they were originally a completely analog company, so they were not in the technology space to begin with. 
where they ended up having three or four different technology companies that they owned. None of the tech was actually aligned. So we each were using different technologies uh, and different uh, cloud technologies. None of it could actually work together. And the whole idea was that it was supposed to be one uh, uh, software suite to offer along with the originally analog uh, product. So, so that whole sort of lack of technology due diligence in those uh, subsequent uh, acquisitions that the, this company did meant that we just had a, a complete mess of an actual technology proposition and we had nothing to go to market with. And that, that, that was why it was such a challenge to actually do an, a, a full-scale company-wide integration. And we just ended up doing a silo business uh, and e- even compa- competing in some uh, areas because we were we were de- we were we had roadmaps that were, that was colliding because we each wanted to 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 uh, to reach into some of the portfolio that the other companies were doing. So uh, I'm just totally spot on that, that technology due diligence is 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 hugely important and have an idea of where you want to go and how is it how how does it fit with what you already have at, at hand. It's a great point. And I think, Carlo, you've got something to add on the due diligence side of things as well. Yeah. Um, not to jump to, to uh, problem-solving mode or anything, uh, but but I think the way that, that I personally would approach that would be to try to quantify it again. Um, like the, the bills for not being compliant with GDPR is not small anymore. Um, and for security, well, we have the, uh, currently there's, there's an incident with EDC in Denmark, uh, which have leaked, I think it's 30, 1300, uh, people's personal data, including driver's license and passports. Um, so I think that some, some of those, uh, incidents are important to, to actually communicate to, to the leadership. That well, you acquired this machine, and this machine could cost you a lot if you don't, if you aren't compliant, uh, or it could be a scandal. Um, so, so I think that's that's maybe some of the approaches that that could go for in business. Um, and also, I think it, it would be a great idea before acquiring or before merging to have an overview of the compliance. I know it's not necessarily possible if you're not in the same. Um, if you're not in the same um, branch, uh, in the same area of service, um, so but but definitely, I think there's a lot of communication that needs to be done when an IT company is acquired. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, and guys, there's some really good points going on in, in the conversation. I really do like the mix of of somebody who's who's been through an acquisition from a company that you worked from startup stage yourself so on, and also yourself with the with the two different ends of the the spectrum home on and you Carla, who's never actually been through one but has a, a vision who, with which way you would go about it with if you had some sort of authority in in decision making at a company that was going through it so so some interesting perspectives on show here um carlo do you have anything to to add to the conversation in terms of a question or a statement? Uh, well, my question is, is, is how do you approach the cultural difference with differences? We touched a bit of, upon it uh, from, from Sean's question, um, but I'm also thinking about the, like, how, how do you mix up 
the cultures uh, how do you approach it I, I think that that the 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 example that Muyun came up with uh, with with the uh, Japanese company is is an elegant way of working it um, because it sounded like the the culture slowly merged together um, which to me would be preferable um, when when two companies are, are suddenly one so anything to add uh, yeah, I think I think it's a good and relevant question, Carlo. I think for me, the answer depends very much on the context that you're doing this merger in or merging two cultures or more cultures. I think it's it's if we're talking, are we are we are we in a situation where we're bringing different cultures physically together? That's one scenario, and then there is a scenario where you're you're trying to make people work together across borders, basically. Um, I think I've I've had from a from a corporate point of view, I've had more experience trying to make different cultures work together across businesses or across borders. Um, and I think that's and across companies as well. And I think that's that's a that's a difficult challenge if you if you've got. 70 locations around the world uh, with 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 uh, where each of them have slightly different cultures and it's a huge cost to bring them all together um then that it's a, it's a real challenge and i don't have a really really good answer to how how do you how do you actually make that work other than my my gut instinct would be that you need active leadership and you need you need to focus in on on three or four core values that that you want to make sure that everybody is aligned to and can align to and again the challenge with values is that they can't be too sort of self evident because then nobody can really oppose them and then they're not moving anything anyway so so it has to be something that 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 is strong enough to stand on its own and that everybody can align behind um, so I think that's that's one challenge, and, and I think uh, the, the the second part of it is if you're if you're bringing a team together uh, in the same or similar physical location, uh, where I mean my the, the the team that I've operated in in uh, in Copenhagen, we had I think three or four different nationalities uh, that 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 we brought in to. Uh, that we have brought together in the same team, and uh, I think it, it was a, it was naturally a a bit of a challenge to decide how much are you going to go for that. There are part, certain parts of Danish culture that are quite strange, and uh, and 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 honestly, they, they, it, it fills up a lot of space. So Christmas lunches is is a is a is a weird thing in Denmark and um, also contains large sums of alcohol. So I think that that is always a a a challenging situation to bring in different uh, cultures into. Um, so that's so that's one one example what, what you need to manage. But I think for me it was just very basic agreeing very quickly on 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 English as a as a, as the number one language and not banning Danish or anything, but being very very sort of open around and no we need to we need to we need to have a shared language and that needs to be our primary language in the office um and even got to a point where we were 
speaking in English when we were only Danes uh, present. So that was uh, quite successful. And, and then I think that was a good tool to meet around something that, that, that where, where we shared the, the same language. Um, and then uh, I think in, in these times of COVID and ho- working from home and all that, I think a key the foundation in any sort of situation where you're where we're discussing culture and working together i think it's important to balance work from home with physical presence i mean if you if you want to integrate if you want to make people work together and understand each other they also need to have a physical contact that that's that's my experience okay omio a lot of a lot of I, uh, I think a lot of good input from Carlo and John and uh, I would I would say that uh, to to be successful at least uh, one of the um, thing that should or can help is uh, alignment with uh, staff uh, as long as soon as there is a shared kind of vision or value uh, is set by the by the by the sh- kind of merged uh, entity um, or the acquired entity, then then basically uh, the management should uh, from top down uh, send a signal that uh, now we will talk about it uh, because something is is to be done. This is a big change management process. It's always sometimes painful uh, to to make it sure that this is like a survival thing. We need to do it. Um, so, so this is one part. So, if it is communicated properly, and the other thing is, it could be also be excitement that okay, yeah, we are going to have be even more bigger. Uh, but then, at least the core thing is uh, to to sustain with with the culture that you have built already in your company to still survive with it. So, could be that you combine the two good cultures from both of these entities that are going to be merged or acquired. Uh, then again, talk with. If you if you are in a management role, talk to your uh, kind of staff or organization or or your team. That how are you doing? How do you feel it? So keep on you know measuring um, every time uh, what's cooking in their head. How how are they feeling? Changes uh, anything they would like to point out, and then communicate it upwards with with again as Carlos said, quantify them that hey in my team I am observing this thing. What about your team? And then address it and make sure that if it can be changed perhaps change it because uh, uh, losing someone could be the worst scenario so 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 explaining them and then have a plan for them okay guys it was this kind of a job you're doing uh, with the change you will have to do more you'll have to do a little bit extra this could be a good opportunity instead of presenting it in a negative way or in a kind of demotivating way could be that you will get more challenges, different type of, so it's a learning curve. The new company will assign you trainings. They will pay for our trainings. They will pay for our own growth. So you will still have the growth guaranteed. So maybe upfront clarify with the team that guys, you will be given a growth opportunity and we have your place. And in that, of course, if it finds out to be or turns out to be that we have to let go 10% of the staff, then even communicate and give them a graceful exit. I'll assign some trainings, make them sure that they can find good jobs in the market. And then, or, or maybe absorb them within the other business if they want to or something like that. So that is my 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 input. Yeah. Uh, Carlo, 
I think it, you, you both have the really good point of, of having like a shared vision uh, to make people work together. Um, I think in, in, in leadership, I think one of the biggest accomplish, accomplishments you can have is that people are not in doubt whether they should go down uh, the left route or the right route. Um, and I, I, I really... It, it really uh, sparked something in my mind what you just said, uh, Humion, with um, with giving people training. Like, if you acquire a company, you can't be sure that they are at the same level as the company they are acquired to. Um, so, I think it's it's important to have a plan for getting people up to speed and and have a plan of figuring out well where are people at um, and and also what you mentioned, son. If you have like four stacks of uh, of of, uh, of of different four different tech stacks. Well, then you should have a plan for getting into a more common stack, uh, and and a, a plan to 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 get everybody on board on that. Um, and one last point from from what you said, son, about our famous Danish uh, Christmas lunches. Um, I, I also had a success with it going the other way. Uh, I had an Indian employee who due to some uh, holiday, uh, he brought in some Indian food that we all sat and and, uh, and got, and it was so nice uh, for everyone to try out. Nice. And that just brings us back to, to kind of the, the topic that you were mentioning quite a lot in this podcast, Soren, um, which was active leadership. And I was just curious yeah. from that, my side of things as to what that kind of means for you. <laughs> I think in 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 this instance, when and and I'm, I'm again, I'm I'm talking mostly from my experience from from as as a as a leader of the acquired company. And I think active leadership is something that you needed a lot on the new parent company. So so if you've acquired a company, you need you need active leadership. But again, as as Uwe Jun also said, that active leadership can also be stepping back. So active leadership is just where you've given active thought to what's your plan and how are you going to reach a successful outcome. Um, and then I think when you're, if we then turn around and look at at at, at the position that the, the, that I've been in with 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 managing a team that has been acquired, I think again to 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 Mjuna and and Carlos' points, turning to your team, trusting your team, listening to your team. Uh, making sure that they understand the plan, being transparent around where are we going, why are we here, what is it that we want to achieve, why have we been acquired, how can we reach the targets that we've set together, how can we continue the journey that we're on, um, and having that, and, and I mean, active leadership, for me, uh, in in actual terms, active leadership was getting the team together three times a week for anywhere between 15 minutes and 30 minutes listening to everybody say what are you doing what are you doing what are... so everybody has an understanding of what is everybody doing and of course you can't do that if you're 400 people but then you can do it in smaller groups and the people that work close together can do it but i think it's it we need to talk together or talk to each other um within the teams that we're in um, and that's the only way to make sure as a manager as a leader that your team understands and knows where are we going and why are we doing what we're doing? Is if you talk to them continuously and listen, of course. I think that's a 
great example you just came with, Sam. That's something you can do tomorrow. Uh, get people together uh, and have a status on what's going on. Um, that that is really a good tool for breaking but down silos. Uh, I'm I'm going to steal that. Um, feel free, feel free. Um, <laughs> in in for me, there's also the um, the job as a leader to actually agreeing with what comes from from uh, from the the new company. Um, I, I think that's that's super important to get your team along as well. Um, that well, this is what we agrees to, and this is how I I would approach this with you guys. Um, it's it's also super important with to listen to to employees and and uh, and communicate that upwards. But I also think there's a big task in communicating uh, to the uh, to the employees um, on well, basically the strategy. Why are we doing what we're doing? Uh, why is this a good idea? Uh, and why should we all be in on it? Yeah, and I, and I think and I think it's 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 a good point because w- what I've learned is you often as a as a leader you can benefit from from actively translating strategy into the everyday operations of 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 individual members of your team. So instead of just speaking sort of the very corporate language, talking about oh the company strategy is this or that. Then actually going into the next step and bringing your team on the on the journey of understanding it and translating the corporate strategy into that everyday action for you as an employee that means that tomorrow when you do this that benefits or is in line with our strategy. So I think and and you can you can you you can take your your team and your individual team members along on that journey. So you can you can open up the reflections and make them better understand what the purpose is with what they're doing tomorrow. Amazing, Homil, do you exactly? Like I, I I would just say that uh, um, well said, and also that uh, this kind of collaboration uh, can actually uh, help. Uh, achieving the goals or or making this uh, this strategy of, of of a company more successful uh, because in the end uh, it has to be um, the decision needs to be taken but if you involve um, both the leadership and the, and the, and the team or team of teams um, I I think this collaboration and the decision. Uh, is is process could really resolve some issues um, because it could uh, it it is there is no merger acquisition that is not impacting people on personal level or on professional level uh, the the impact is always there but to reduce it to minimize it um, I think um, uh, and even some sometimes you could hire some consultants to who could do a like a psychological training or like you know stress uh, kind of um, um, uh, coaching and um, sometimes like like a fitness training I don't know some kind of mind training that uh, a therapy training that uh, uh, maybe uh, or for next few months or something like that you will be given additional one day of vacation or something something that you could uh, allow people to cherish more and then uh, have focus on again on the family and do not 
take it as as something that is not good that has happened but but perhaps collaborate with them on on all levels i think that could be the win uh, because if you can still take your team through it then that's that's the big win uh, and then make sure their their responses and uh, are, are really considered um, in, into this um, input towards the top management yeah brilliant carlo would you like to to add one last point before we wrap things up I would just say that that's two very important points that that Sun and, and Hamun just came up with. The 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 translation of strategy. Uh, I love that analogy, um, and and also uh, getting getting uh, some some external help for for acquiring is really good uh, good uh, suggestions. Amazing. Well, I think that's a, an excellent way to to wrap things up. Obviously, there's there's a final chance here, final calling. If anybody wants to go down another rabbit hole, feel free. If not, I'm happy to wrap things up here. What do you guys think? It's fine. I think we covered it. Yeah. Amazing. So from now on, I'm expecting no disaster cases of mergers and acquisitions. I'm hoping that everybody in the world is going to listen to this one and take on some of the advice from you guys and hopefully mergers and acquisitions can overcome the common challenges like we've we've set out to do on the on the call today so guys much appreciated before we end the podcast as always i have to say a special thanks to the guests who have been soren uh carlo and humayun uh if just on another note if you or anyone you, you know would like to be featured on the podcast drop me a message you can find me on linkedin jake stamp or email me at jake.stamp at evolution-nordics.com. Thanks again to all the guests and thank you guys for listening.